Among the tumultuous events of the late 1960s, the, the Arab-Israeli War, the Yom Kippur War, or called the 1967 Six-Day War, occurred between Israel and three, the Arab, three of the Arab League in those days, Egypt, Syria, and Jordan. It's a question as to who started it in, even today, depending on who you ask, but the results were uh, incontrovertible, which is that, uh, uh, that Israel won a massive victory and, and picked up a lot of the territories they still have today, with the exception of the Sinai. And as a result of this, uh, Egypt um, had a bit of a national crisis uh, of confidence uh, over this, and it, um, that area still is very tumultuous for Christians. It doesn't get the, the news. I don't know why the news uh, seems to pick up everything but Christian persecution. Uh, Christmas Day in Nigeria, source of many priests that come to this country, they all have a sense of humor. I guess you'd have to in a country like that. Um, a, a number of, uh, I won't go into it, but there was a, a, one of the atrocities by ISIS there. And uh, in Syria, unfortunately, ISIS, as I think I mentioned last week, uprooted most of the Christians of 2,000 years in the Nineveh Plain and in northern Syria. And now ISIS is gone and, and Turkey's come in there and they have a history of violence against the Christians. So again, the, these ancient Christians are again uh, refugees from their own country. And they can take a lot, of, uh, a lot of comfort in knowing that the Holy Family was not spared this uh, trial as well. Uh, you can imagine Joseph having to pick up, he got to, to Bethlehem, no doubt expecting to go home. Did, of course, they didn't bring everything with them. Then they had to leave whatever, whatever poor possessions they had. Take, Of course, they had some linens for, for Jesus, a baby, and haul a, a relatively newborn baby, probably, probably a month old, off to Egypt. And there Joseph had to find work. There's an interesting tradition there of 25 different places where the Holy Family was said to have, have stopped in their, we think, about two years in Egypt. The, it begs the question, why was it necessary when God could do anything to, to allow his only begotten son and family on earth to suffer such hum, humiliation and powerlessness? But there again... It's, it's, our, it's meant to tell us that when we are on an involuntary pilgrimage, read illness, finances, uh, family problems, you name it, uh, world issues, country issues, we are not in control of our lives. It's an illusion. We are here as a test for growth and service, our personal growth and service to others. We're not here to feather our own nest or live on a cruise ship. That's a wasted life. So... No matter what period of history, when people have problems, we can look to the Holy Family. They've been there. So in any case, there's 25 different places, and they've been known since the first century, the Coptics. They were the first to split off from the universal or Catholic Church. You may notice in the Creed when we say it today, the Catholic is a small c. Many of our Protestant brethren say the same Nicene Creed because it is Catholic doesn't mean Roman Catholic. It means the universal church that existed for the first thousand years. And the Copts split over the two natures of Christ, but we've had very good relations with them over the years. So uh, 
Eight, eight of these places are on the usual traditional pilgrimage route, three of them in Cairo, one in the suburbs, Zaytun, which I've been to a couple of these. And in fact, when I went to Egypt in 2001, I specifically came early, was on my own on that trip, uh, to see some of these places on my own. It uh, takes some doing to figure out where they are. Uh, Zaytun is, a, you take the, a train out there. Uh, I got my, my pocket picked for my trouble there, but anyway, it was still worth it. But I want to talk a little about Zaytun, Egypt. This is the only place, um, throw, I'll throw a picture up there in a second. Um, those of you, uh, I think this is the tape version of my sermon. You won't see the picture, but you can look it up. Z-E-I-T-U-N, remember that. Um, there's only three in the world that have the most proof. They're modern apparitions in the sense that they can be submitted to scientific inquiry. They indicate there's more than meets the eye to this world. And uh, what happened is between 1968, and I believe it stopped in 1971, I'm not quite sure of the ending date. I used to say 69, but I think it went on beyond that. Mary began to appear to one Muslim individual, oddly enough, and before long, people were camping out in front of this church. And I'll show you a picture of it now. This is the only apparition known where Mary allowed herself to be photographed. St. Joseph was there on other occasions. You see the dove, the Holy Spirit, or peace. Remember, Egypt is in turmoil right now. The, the Middle East had been erupted in war, which could have very well led to World War, th- World War III. And Mary comes in the midst of troubles or because the church needs a reminder or something's coming, like, like in Rwanda, for example. Uh, it, it, she came about 10 years before the great slaughter there, try to get people to change their minds. Um, the, um, this is a unique vision in many ways. One is that the Roman Catholic Church never weighed in on it because there are almost no Roman Catholics there. Instead, we deferred to the Coptic Pope who declared this to be a miracle. And believe it or not, the president of Egypt declared it to be a miracle also. Have you ever heard of a Catholic apparition in a majority Muslim country that declared a Catholic apparition a miracle? Look it up. President Nasser, who fought Israel, later uh, was thrown out because he lost the war and came back again. He was a dictator. He saw this himself. So did everybody who came by, Muslims, Hindus, Coptics, the occasional Roman Catholic, and none of the aboves, everyone who was there would see this. Mary, for her part, this was not a static image, but it moved. You can see it floating, sometimes over the dome, this case in front of the dome, lest we think it was uh, that somebody pulled a trick on us. Remember, this is 1968. There was no Photoshop. This picture I picked up myself as iTunes. This is the one that appeared in, in, the, in the Kaiser Time, Kaiser Time, the Cairo Gazette or whatever it was. Lyndon Zeiss will love me for that one. Um, the... Uh, it appeared in the Cairo newspaper on the front page, no less. Look what's happening in Zaytun. So, uh, and there are many other pictures that people took. Even today, we, with all of our technology, see, Mary knew when to appear. Not only was it necessary then, but you couldn't say it was fake because the technology didn't exist. And even today, people have tried to make this happen again with holography or whatever, and it can't be done except by, of course, by photo trickery or something like you would see in a movie. Um, it, it, it's, it's very interesting because Mary says nothing. 
The only other one I know of is Knock Ireland, uh, and that's uh, Pope Benedict's first act as Pope was to go to there and venerate the 100th anniversary there. Mary said nothing there either. The, the picture was the story. And in this case, think of all the different uh, groups that were coming by there. You know, Muslims and cops don't like each other even now. There, there's tremendous tension in that country right now. Oh, and those groups, if she'd said anything, it would have uh, it would have divided the group. So she comes in peace, and for now, she holds her tongue. Now, there's a lesson for us. Maybe we could all talk a little less about things that are... Uh, you all knew not what not to talk about at Christmas, did you? Need I say what it was? <laughs> Politics and religion, right? Uh, we, we kind of know as families, we want to love each other, so certain things go off the table. Even Mary, she knew that was not the time to talk. But she is the message. I should say, correct me, the Lord is the message, but she is an ambassador. See how she comes from a world of light. Look how much optimism there is here. Um, she is not the source of this light. She is considered to be like the moon, reflecting the light. The moon has no light of its own. In fact, since we've been there, we know it's gray, yet it looks light to us because the sun reflects off of it. In the same way, she glows like this because she did the will of God perfectly. We, too, will be like polished mirrors or prisms. We will reflect the light of God for all eternity, depending on how well we fulfilled our mission on earth. It's not the size of, the, of what we've been given to do. It's how well we did it. We priests are so fortunate in the midst of all the trials of being in ministry, you know, and everything. It's, I can't think of a a better life, one reason I became this, what I am now, is that, you know, you, almost everything I do is a corporal work of mercy. Uh, imagine having a career in corporal works of mercy. But uh, a person over at Avamir who can't get out of bed, they pray, they say the rosary, they do what they can. That's all God asks. They may be fulfilling their mission better than, than you and I who are ambulatory. But in any case, we're called to reflect the light of God like this. And it's, she's coming from a world where all is light. Look at the darkness around it. All of this is symbolic. We're living in a world of darkness, uh, and meaning that the true sight of God is not here. We were meant to know and see God from the beginning of our lives in the sense of knowing exactly where we're going and what life's all about. But <clears throat> the, the many of the so-called prophets of this day, whatever variety they are, tell us that we can't, there's nothing exists but the five senses. And of course, they become deaf, dumb, and blind to the reality of the other dimensions of existence, of which this is one of them. Um, Mary, uh, as I said, this points to Jesus and the Holy Family. Joseph would often show up with her. And uh, I think we all need a very uplifting message. Uh, Christmas is uplifting, and so is the Holy Family. The Epiphany will point to how we will be serving God with our own giftedness, which is coming next week, and then the baptism of the Lord. This year's we're particularly blessed because all four major feasts are on Sunday. That doesn't line up very often. Um, so in this, you can imagine Mary, I, I don't know what she would be thinking you know, in heaven, I haven't got the slightest idea. But we know that at one time, 2,000 years ago, she came to the same spot as a refugee from Herod with no money, in poverty, 
not knowing how long it would last, knowing only that her child was from God. And now you can see what's happened. In the same way, in our humble condition, we haven't got the slightest idea what God intends for us, but it's, it's glorious. We, but we will never forget our humble condition by which we started. That's the key to life, I think, before God glorifies us in the sense that we will glorify God and thus radiate light. We, we must never forget our humility, that we are but dust by nature. We don't deserve that. It's not automatic. It's a gift of God. Um, so everywhere Mary goes, she's just simply pointing out the resurrected body that God promises us. It's a wonderful world. We, if we keep that in mind, it'll make life a lot easier. One foot in this world, one in the next, doing the good that we're meant to do here. And Mary um, we can, might leave us, if she would, were to have talked in that, what she probably would have said, do the last thing I ever said in the gospel, do whatever he tells you to do.